I'm pretty excited right now. So, uh, first service was awesome. So, I'm just going to, before I say anything, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. I'm going to cry. I'm not Jimmy Swaggart, and I'm not confessing sin. I am going to cry because of what God did this week. So, I'm going to try really hard not to cry. And I tried in the first service, and I've tried like 50 times when I've told this story. And so far, I'm batting 1,000. So, some of y'all have seen it this week and whatever. I'm just going to cry. So, I don't want to cry. I don't like to cry. I try to be a man in front of people and not cry. I'm, but I'm going to cry. So I'm just giving you all a fair warning. When my lips start shaking, just take cover because it's like really scary because it's already big. And then, it, you know what I'm talking about? It gets big, bigger when it cries. So it doesn't cry, but when I cry. So anyway, I'm very, very, very excited, though. I want you all to know this. Uh, in my life, I, I don't know how many times I've preached now, and I'm blessed to be able to do this as a profession. Uh, I have no idea, but I have never... I can say this with very much conviction in my heart. I've never been more excited to preach than right this second, right now. And the reason for that is because I have seen God work. Oh, gracious, I'm going to cry early. I've never seen God work like I've, like I've seen this week. Never, never, ever. I've seen God save people. I've seen kids be born. Like, and it's awesome. If y'all have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you hold your baby for the first time and you kiss their face. It's unbelievable. I've, I've, I've looked at my bride when she walked down the aisle and I've had a God moment because it was the most beautiful thing that I probably will ever see this side of heaven. I've had some amazing God moments, but I honestly don't think I've ever had one like Thursday. And so during my second point, I'm going to tell you about that, but I'm going to make you wait because I'd rather cry 20 minutes in when we're almost done than right now. So, but it's, hopefully it's going to be good up until that point and it may not even take 20 minutes. So y'all just hang in there with me. Uh, this week, uh, for those of you that are visiting today or for those of you that have been every week, just as a reminder, we're doing a sermon series called Guardrails. And we didn't do the bumper today because we're excited about Easter. We're going to have over 500 people here and 50 people are going to get saved and we're pumped up because we are four points, right? It's going to be amazing. It's not about Mark. If y'all think that when you leave here today, you hadn't listened to a thing that I've said, I promise you, because it ain't about me. But we're doing a sermon series called Guardrails and Guardrails. And they're right here above me, are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous and off-limits areas. And so uh, you know what those are. You see them all the time. They're to keep you out of the bad places, especially like on bridges where the water is or going up into the crazy terrain. They're to keep you from going into the re really dangerous, bad places. And then personal guardrails are a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of, of the conscious. Like it becomes so personal to you that it becomes a matter of what you think and what you remember. And this is what we've tried to repeat over and over. And some of y'all are like, I got the guardrails thing now. And that means you're finally starting to get it. And some people still don't have it. So one more week, y'all just hang in there with us. One more week of guardrails. And it's going to be, by the way, next week, I didn't even say this in the first service, it's going to be ridiculous. And if y'all miss next week, uh, if you're gone, watch it online. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. The whole service, the whole day, we're going to do a couple things different. And hopefully y'all are going to love it. But the whole purpose of this series has been twofold. One, what are my personal guardrails? Because, listen, Jesus gave us freedom when we trusted Christ as Savior. So for all of you that are a Christian right now, you would raise your hand and you say, Pastor Mark, I'm a Christian. I followed Christ. We have freedom in Christ. It's amazing. But there's still things that if we do them, it's called sin. And so we, Jesus has put a system in place for us that's called the Bible and called friends and called accountability and called all these other things by loving people. The, the whole world will know that, that you are my disciples. Well, loving is one of, our, one of our stables in our church, but it's one of your personal stables. It's one of your personal guardrails that if you don't love people, you probably don't have a love, the love of the Father in you. You've probably never trusted Jesus as your Savior. And so these things are guardrails. And this is, today is probably the most practical message that I'll preach. 
as far as how we walk. And it's growing. And this is why I think growing is so important. Growing is changing. And all of us kind of fight back with change, don't we? We, we? we like a routine. And some of you guys are crazy, kind of like me, and you like the change, and you like would move every couple years, and you like a new car, and you like, and some of y'all are not going to change, right? I'm not changing what I wear. I'm not wearing them new fancy jeans. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's probably your parents. I'm not doing any of this stuff. I'm going to be just like I am, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's change. We don't like the change. And change is growth. Good or bad, change is growth. And we fight against it. Change literally means to move somewhere, to get different. And it literally means to become different. In the Greek, it literally means to become different. In the definition, to become different. And so this is what we have to discuss, and this is what we have to decide. Before I get into why we change. Today, I want y'all to listen to this. Today, wherever you are, whatever background you come from, if today is the first time you've ever been in church, or if you're well-versed in the scriptures, if you know scripture well, it doesn't matter. You've changed. You've changed today. You've decided where you will go and what you will do already today. You decided that this week. Do you know none of you are the same that you were this time last week? And a lot of us look at ourselves and say, dude, I'm just the same. Look at me. I might have lost like a pound, but I'm pretty much the same. No, you're, you're much different because we're constantly changing. We're not creatures of the same. We're creatures of change. We become different all the time. And this is what I want y'all to get real quick before we move on to the really good stuff. This is what I want y'all to get. There's an enemy out there called Satan, the devil. And he is looking to change you. Now watch this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, his goal for you is to keep you distracted so that you don't come to him and have freedom in him. If you are a follower of Jesus, I believe a lot of times we get confused because we believe what, what Satan is trying to do to us is just cause us to jump into these awful sins. And so we're like, I'll fight the devil. Listen, if I walked into an awful thing going on that was awful sin, I would fight back, right? I'm not doing that. I've got guardrails. But a lot of times what we don't fight against is distractions. Like, since guardrails are meant for the road, when I'm driving down the road, how many of y'all be honest? This is church, so I'm really asking y'all to be honest. How many of y'all text and drive? Text and drive, thank you. Someone pre Texting and driving. Seems like it's a generational thing in here. And <laughs> all the moms in here just went, ah, why are y'all texting and driving? I text and drive. And let me just be honest with y'all about this. I know I shouldn't. And every day I confess to my wife. I don't confess to the Lord enough probably because I'm sure it's sin. But I confessed to Leah like we were driving in the car yesterday on the way to a date and I was trying to send out pictures of the stage being done so I wouldn't constantly be looking at the uh, phone during the date. And she was like, you're going to die someday by looking at that. <laughs> and I said, well, I get to be with Jesus and at least I can send this out, right? So it's good. But all the mamas are mad right now. But like, here's the problem. I do the text to talk. Like, I don't have my phone. I do, this will be my phone. I do the text to talk and be like, Hey, I'm running a little bit late. So it should say, and it says, hey, I just found a snake. No, that's not what I said. That's why I text, because I can make it say what I want to. So somebody needs to say amen to that, because that's messed up. Because I tried to tell it what to say, and it won't say it, and so I got to type. And now I'll get arrested if I go in downtown Greenville. They cuff you and take you under the jail. So I'm staying in Sparkle City. Somebody say amen to that, too. All right, so anyway. That's beside the point. I don't even know why I said that. But anyway, so, so distractions happen, and I'm texting, and then there's billboards, right? 
And then there's all these other things. And then the sun's in my eyes. If y'all drive on 85 to Greenville to work in the morning, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like death trap. Or y'all are driving back to Sparta. It, just, it seems like I'm always in the sun. I'm like, it can't always be in my face, right? There's distractions all the time. And then someone breaks, and I'm not looking. And the red lights are right in front of me, breaking all around me. And I have to slam on my brakes. And I either get into a wreck or I have to swerve to miss it. I didn't wake up that morning and think, I hope I get into a wreck. I woke up that morning just being able to be distracted. That's all that Satan wants for you. I want you all to know that today. If you're truly a Christ follower, if you truly know Jesus today, I want you all to know that all Satan wants for you is just to veer you off course just a little bit. See, see, this is what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes inside of me, and it's such an amazing honor that the God of the universe chooses to fill me with his spirit. I'm going to repeat this verse, but Romans 8:11 is one of my favorites because it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is the power that lives inside of me because he left his spirit in me. And so there's unbelievable potential. It really is true. It's not a, it's not a feel-good message. It really is true that there's potential in every person that makes him the Lord of their life, and they don't try to be in charge. But so often what I do is I say, you know what, I'm in good shape. I'm okay, so I'm just going to do my thing. And, and, and even though I'm going to change a little bit, I'll, I'll veer back. I can ask God for forgiveness, right? And, and that is choosing, that is choosing to, to get over in the devil's playground. That's choosing to be in the devil's playground. It's choosing to be a follower of the world rather than make him the king of our lives, make him the lordship over everything that is me. I want him to be all over this because this is garbage. This is messed up. This is sin. And if he's not Lord of my life, then he's Lord of nothing in my life. He can't have part of me. And so you see, every morning that I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth, however y'all start y'all's morning, we decide that second, is he going to be the Lord of my life or is he not? So just by show of hands, I, and I would appreciate y'all being honest, how many of y'all this week, you've said, Every day this week, I've, I've been in my Bible and I've prayed. Every day this week. Been in my Bible, I've prayed. Every day this week, I've read my Bible and I've prayed. A couple of us. That's okay. Put your hands down. At least five times this week, I've read different days. I've read my Bible and prayed. How about three times? Read my Bible and prayed. Okay. I'm not fussing. I'm not fussing. And I'm going to get back to that in a second. But I just want you to understand. God, you don't have a good day when you read your Bible and pray, okay? It's not like, okay, I will bless you, my son. It's not the point. The point is that the king of the universe wants to spend time with me and I get to decide which way will I change. And if I don't spend time in his word and on my face before him begging him to change me because I am carnal and corrupt, then I am choosing to take a step toward the world. And so today what I want to give you, and I believe, I'm telling y'all, with tons of conviction in my soul, I believe today is going to change a bunch of people because my life will never be the same, I promise you, after this week. Never ever. It will never be the same. Because God changed me. You say, Pastor, did you need to be changed? Yep. Every day. Every day. I have to make him Lord of my life every single day. But I'm telling you, I'm so excited to tell you this today. And so I want to give you a guardrail today. But first I want you to see the danger of Satan. I don't want to skip that. Be, be sober-minded and watchful. This is 1 Peter 5.8. I learned it in another translation, so I have to read it. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. And I just want you to picture an African safari where you see a lion, and all of y'all have seen this. The lion is not dumb, right? The lion is not dumb. He's in the weeds, and he's waiting for just 
to be distracted just a little bit. It's just a little bit of a mistake. And that's what he's looking for with all of us. Just a little bit of a crack. Just a little bit of a distraction. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, therefore. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Y'all don't answer this, please. Just to yourself. If y'all are playing with Ouija boards, watching like um, the horror movies that bring in like the demon possession stuff, I'm, y'all know me by now if you're a person that comes to Four Points a lot. I'm not a person that is very judgmental or legalistic in the least bit. I'm giving you this as a warning because I love you. If you get mad when you leave, it's okay. If you play with that kind of stuff, it's foolishness. I'm not calling you foolish. I'm calling your actions foolishness because it is very dangerous. Giving the devil any kind of foothold in your life. The devil is not some little cool kid that plays with a pitchfork. He is trying to change you. Matter of fact, the word devil literally means uh, liar or accuser. He is coming after you to accuse you personally. And the word for adversary in 1 Peter 5.8 literally translates Satan, which means the one who attacks you or goes straight against you. And so he's not in it for games. He's a fallen angel, the highest of all angels. He took a third of the angels with him, and his goal in life is to terrorize and change you into what he wants you to be so that months and years from now, you don't even remember where you came from. And so today what we want to give you is a guardrail that is a system in your life that will change the course of your life forever. And I want you to answer a couple questions. So if you have your notes, get them out, and we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. But if you have your notes, these are guardrails for my life, for my life, how to grow. This is growing as a guardrail in my life, number one. Number one. Which way will you and I be carried? Which way will you and I be carried? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Take care that you are not carried, see that word? That you are not carried with the error of lawless people. Can y'all say lawless people? Say it, say it out loud, say lawless people. That you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Just right where you sit, I want you to think about this real quick. We should have people that don't know Jesus in our lives. Do y'all agree with that? Y'all agree with that? We should have people in our lives that don't know Jesus. How else are they going to know him, right? But if the people that you hang out with the most, if the people that are most influential in your life are lawless people, the Bible says right here, this is what Peter says. I love Peter, by the way, because I understand him. Like, I get him. I, I understand what it's like to be jacked up and to turn away from God at a time in my life. I get him. He says, be careful that, that the people in your life aren't lawless, that, that they're not haters of God, that they're not people that just don't care and don't fear God whatsoever because you will lose your, lose your own stability. And this is what it reminds me of. I love to swim. Do any of y'all like to swim? Y'all like to go swimming? Y'all like to swim in the ocean? Y'all like to swim in the ocean? How many of y'all are the people that you don't want to swim in the ocean because you're afraid of what's out there and you can't see it? I see you back there. Several of y'all. All right. How many of y'all know someone personally that's been bit by a shark? For real? I'm very impressed. That's the first person I've ever met that knew someone personally that's been bit by a shark. Who else? If there's two, I'm going to try a cartwheel, and so don't lie because I can't do a cartwheel. All right, so this is my thing. Now, one person 
all of y'all are scared to get bit by sharks, and that's why y'all don't swim in the ocean, because we know one person that's been bit by a shark ever, right? So I swim in the ocean, and I like it. So this summer, just for pretend, let's say Lee and I get a boat, and we take our kids out, which we'd never do, because my son would get lost in the ocean somehow, and he'd try to run on top of it, because he's nuts. So, but we would get, we would look, I love the ocean. I love to snorkel and all that stuff. So we go out there, and we start swimming. And I'm real smart, so I forget to put the anchor in, right? And so I turn the, I turn the boat off, and I forget to turn, this is something I would do, so this is why I'm never getting a boat and going to the ocean. All right, but I forget to put the anchor in. What happens? Y'all say it out loud. What would happen? You drift. Not Tokyo drift, ocean drift. Y'all would drift, right? Y'all would drift. We'd go all around. We'd, we'd just start going everywhere. And we'd be like, well, how, what happened? We swam for a couple hours and we were looking for sharks. We couldn't find any because there's not a ton of them. But there are a few. I've gotten hit by one before, but I never got bit. Anyway, but, but I couldn't find the fish that I was looking for. And we, we just swam, but I'm, I'm coming back and it's gone. Or so far away. Can you imagine how awful that would be? You see it, but ugh, it's way over there and I'm way over here and I don't want to swim that far. That's what we do in our lives. The Bible literally says that Jesus Christ is my anchor. He's my anchor. That in God, if I trust him and I put all my hope in him and, and I make him the savior of my life, well, he's my anchor. Well, here's the deal. We don't do that. We say, I'm okay. I'm going to hang out with these cats and I'm going to be fine, right? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'll do whatever I want to do. But then I'll come back. No, this is the deal. If you, if, you, if you don't put the anchor in the ground, so what's an anchor? Reading God's word every day is an anchor. It doesn't make God love me more. God can't love me any more than he loves me right now, whether I read God's word or not. He doesn't love me more. The reason I read the Bible every day is not because of my job. I can get the sermon done in one day. It's because I get to go before Jesus, who is sitting on the right hand of God, who is begging him on my behalf. Listen to what he's saying. Forgive him of his sins. He fills my life when I let him be the Lord of my life. It is unstinking believable that God wants to use me because I'm jacked up. And you, because we're all just regular human beings that are filthy rags in the eyes of God, except he's, well, he's freed us and he's cleaned us, and this is it, this is it. We don't read God's word, so he's not mad at us. He's not mad at you if you didn't do it one time. I'm doing it because I want to decide where I'm floating, right? I want to put my anchor and my hope in Jesus. I want to let him pull me where I want to go. Because if I don't do that, then I'm being led everywhere. And then I do this. Dang, man. What happened? What happened? I can't understand it. I spent no time with Jesus whatsoever. I didn't let him be the Lord of my life. But I don't understand how I got in this mess. Guys, you didn't have guardrails up. Or, or if anything, we put up barriers instead of guardrails. And we run into them constantly. What he's trying to do in your life. Listen to this carefully because I'm fixing to get to the second point, And I'm telling you, life change is fixing to happen. I'm telling you, it is not about me. You'll, oof. If you don't let God have control of your life, you will never see all the amazing things that God wants to do in you. Miracles, miracles that are emotional don't happen every day. Okay? But miracles happen every day around us, and it's God, not us. For some crazy reason. That it's higher than my thoughts, is what Psalm says. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. As far as the heaven is, is from the earth, so his thoughts are my thoughts, and his ways are my ways. I don't get everything that he does, but I'm telling you, he wants to use us, and I don't get it, but I'm grateful for it. And so I've got to decide which way will I be carried. 
Will I be carried by God and be anchored in Him and let Him be the Lord of my life? Or will I say, you know what, God, today I've got this because immediately what you're really saying is, I choose to change toward the world and away from God. I choose to, the, the, the king of this world is not Jesus. Did y'all know that? The king of this world has, is darkness and it's awful. I'm not saying God's not the boss. I'm not saying God's not in charge. But the king of this world who has dominion over this world right now until he's cast into hell is the devil. And all I'm saying at the point that I don't surrender my heart every single day to Jesus under his lordship is I say, you know what, God, I got this. I'm good. Why don't you let me be the Lord today? I like being the boss. I like being in charge. Can I be honest with y'all? I really struggle with this. Really struggle with this. So recently, I'm about to give you the second point. Recently, I've shared this with very few people, our staff and my accountability guys that we meet with on Sunday nights. My immediate family, I felt the pull of the Lord to do more, to grow, to change. I didn't have tons of sin to confess. I sin every single day. Just with my thought life alone, I sin. But it wasn't like, I, I'm coming before you, I need to change because I've sinned. It wasn't that, it was... I know God's about to do something. Listen carefully. In us, in us, not in Mark, in us. And if I'm going to be the pastor that he called me to be, I need to change and become more. He must become greater and I must become less. I feel his pulling on my life. And I've told the guys this. I've, I've spilled my heart. I've, I've seen change happen in our church. And I feel like God is growing me. But it scares me because I like to be in charge. And I like to be the Lord of my life. And I've surrendered things. And I've said, God, break chains in my life because that is what I believe happens. And a couple weeks ago, some of y'all know Davin and some of y'all don't, but Davin waved at everybody. He's in the back at the sound booth. If y'all don't know him, he's there. If y'all have ever been to Pizza Inn and Dunkin' or any of the other ones in Spartanburg, he's thankful for that because those are his stores. Davin has been my friend since I was 13. So his... Friendship with me did not start at uh, Four Points. It started when he was a counselor as a junior in high school when I was in the eighth grade on a trip at First Baptist North Spartanburg. And um, we connected then. We worked together. We tried to guess. It's over 10 years, I'm sure, between working for my dad and working at the church. He, he and I just hit it off. He introduced Leah and I to try to get us to date six months before I got the courage up to do it. So Leah, wherever she is right now, it's his fault, not mine. Um, like, so we were close for a long time. Now today, he's my accountability partner, and we're, we're just very close. He's on our board of our church. We're just very close friends. And a couple weeks ago, while I'm on a golf trip with the pastors from Five Point uh, in Myrtle Beach, I found out that the worst was true, that Davin had what's called metastatic cancer. Metastatic cancer not good really really bad fastest growing kind eats your body up um, so I'm going to try to give you the the quick version but I want you to get this first before I read the verse okay the pull that I was feeling is one of my best friends in the world one of my five closest friends for sure in the whole world is probably dying of cancer and God you want me to step up and us to change the world I never question God's sovereignty, but I really struggle. And so point number two, point number two, how will, how will I grow? I want you all to think about this and listen carefully. Every one of us will decide when there's crossroads in our lives, will we let God work and let God's glory shine through, 
or will we be in charge and try to fix everything? There are certain things in your life that are not fixable. There are certain things in life that end terribly that we look at and say, I don't understand this, God. Why do bad things happen to good people? I'm just telling you, bad things don't happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people because that's what all of us are. Outside of the grace of Jesus Christ, and some of you may struggle with this one, but I'm being honest with you, everything that we get is a good gift from God. Everything. And the truth is, bad things don't happen to good people. Only good things happen to all of us, and the Bible calls us corrupt and bad. We are righteous in His sight because we have trusted in Christ, but the truth is, anything that bad comes, comes from sin. Not Davin's sin for Davin to get cancer, but sin in the world. And so I knew all this stuff, y'all, and I was still struggling. God, what are you trying to tell me? And this verse came. When Peter said, remember, where are you going to be carried? What are you going to do? He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, God. I really want to do that, man. But I don't get it. I think I'm going to be able to not cry this time. I'm going to try really hard. I don't get it, man. Like, I know you want me to grow, and I feel more than I've ever felt. Maybe more than I when I got called to preach. I know that you want me to change and you want me to grow, but man, why would you take one of my best friends from me? I shouldn't even say that. I don't think I ever verbalized that. Why would you allow this to happen now? And then this part, to him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity, amen. Will you leave that up, Zach? I, I, kinda, I get that, right? But I'm really struggling. So I'm just, I'm just pouring my heart out to y'all and telling you the truth this morning. I put a lot of stuff on social media that I believe that the power that lives inside of me is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The greater is he that was within me than he that is within the world. That all of these things, I, I, was, I was calling on the promises of God, but I was really struggling internally because I didn't understand. And only a few of you knew about this, my struggle, because I didn't want to share it. Two weeks ago when I preached, a lot of you guys were here during the love message. I, I got a lump in my throat, and I said, today's a hard day, but I'm still happy, and I'm still full of joy, and not because of my circumstances, because my circumstances, pardon my word, sucks. And my circumstances didn't stink near as bad as Allison, his wife, and Davin, and some of yours in here. But I still didn't understand, right? Like, and some of y'all right now are thinking, dude, I'm in the same boat. What are you trying to say? So I'll just give you the fast version as fast as I can. Sunday night, we, we meet as a Bible study. I was planning on not even telling you that I was fasting. I, I gave up all food and just drank for, um, it was like Lee and I tried to figure out the math. It was like 60-something hours. We decided as a group last Sunday night, we prayed over David and Allison. We decided as a group we were going to do this. And uh, they fasted different stuff, and I just said, I think I'm supposed to do a total fast. And I wrote down 40 days. I was going to do 40 days, 40, full 40-day 40 fast. So I was ready to do this, and I was ready to go. And even in my prayer, Monday, Davin has a doctor's meeting with Dr. Nguyen, who did his surgery on Thursday, and he just shot straight with him. He said, look, you got cancer. I mean, I don't, I don't see any hope that it's not cancer. I don't even know if he said 100%. Like, I think it was a 99.9% .9 chance, but you got cancer. Now, I'm not a medical professional at all. I don't pretend to be. I'm not very educated. I have read, like, everything you can read on metastatic cancer. I can tell you that because we were talking back and forth. 
And I was like, everything I read sucks. Send me something good. This is terrible. I mean, I want good news, right? And so we were just trying to make light of it as much as we could. And then Monday we talked at Pizza Inn when we picked up the pizza. A bunch of the guys were working here. And I just wanted to throw up and punch somebody. Can I just be real raw with y'all right now? There was no hope in my heart that Davin was going to be healed. So in the next things that I say, I hope y'all hear that I did not do anything. If y'all, if y'all walk away and say, man, that Mark's got a lot of faith, or man, that Mark saved Davin, golly, you have missed the boat completely. I was fasting. I was praying. I wasn't telling anybody. I think less than 10 people in the world knew I was fasting. And uh, we were praying for it, and it, like I said, it was planned on being 40 days, and I was going through, and I was just frustrated. God, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to grow us. Us. We are four points. We, we are going to reach this, this community and, and, and the communities around us with the gospel. I know you want to do something amazing, but what are you trying to tell us? I'm so confused, God. What are you trying to do? And as God is my witness, and some of y'all aren't going to believe this, but I hope all of you will. As, as real as I'm standing here, I'm driving down 29, heading back to my house at Hawk Creek North, on 29 in Spartanburg. I've already gotten off 85. I'm on my way home from here. And as real as I'm standing here, I felt a pull from the Lord. I was praying. I was writing in my journal, not while I was driving, but earlier in the day, you know. And I was praying every second that I got, God, I think you're trying to change me, so break change. But most importantly, God, will you show us what you're trying to do for Davin? Will you show us? Just show us. I don't, I'm, I'm so confused. I have no idea why this happened. No idea. But I've never been more grateful. Probably going to cry again. When I'm driving down the road, I just felt the Lord say, your fast is going to end tomorrow. I'm like, dude, I wrote down May the 9th. That's my plan. We're going to get it together. I swear to y'all, my fast is going to end tomorrow. Your fast is going to end tomorrow. Your fast is going to end tomorrow. Davin's cancer free. Y'all, can I tell you something? There's not one doctor. I need you to yell out. Am I right? Not one doctor said there was a chance of that. Is that right? None. Dr. Johnson's in here. There's some more very, very good medical professional people in here, and so I'm probably speaking out of turn. But there's like a color that cancer shows up, and it looks a certain way. And at least 10 very intelligent, very good professionals had looked at this, and all of them were consistent in his scans and every test that he had done. It's cancer, it's cancer, it's cancer. And I had never thought, I want y'all to know this, I wrote it in my prayer journal, but in my heart I don't believe I had the faith to really believe that God was going to heal him. I don't think I was strong enough to really believe that God was going to do it. And at that moment, I was doing really good. This verse came to life. Grow in the grace. Y'all know what grace is? Grace is God looking down on me, who's weak in faith and saying, let me lift you up. You're weak. And the knowledge of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory. If y'all hear anybody else gets the glory today, then I have failed miserably as your pastor. To him be the glory. I had so much confidence that as I went to bed, Laney prayed, and it was the sweetest little prayer. God, put your healing hands on Mr. Davin. And I went to bed, and I said, God, I don't understand why you told me. I'm sorry for crying. I don't understand why you told me. But I believe that you told me 
that he's cancer free right now. Please will you hear me that I didn't have anything to do with this that's about to happen, that I'm about to tell you about. I, I didn't have anything to do with this. My faith was weak. So we get there Thursday morning and my heart is just ached for Allison. We're so close to her too. And Davin's parents, David and Judy, and so many people. And I got there and I prayed with the family and I'm sure Allison was sitting right beside me. I'm sure she thought I was a kook. Because my prayer was, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, but God, I'm so excited because I believe you've already done it. And I can't wait to see you show off today. I can't wait to see. Y'all say the word glory. I can't wait to see glory. I can't wait to see his glory. I thought I could do it without crying. I'm sorry. I'm just going to fast forward to the end because I know I've taken a long time. But look, this is what happened. I'm sitting beside Allison and Austin Barnett's mama texted. She, he was in, she was in the surgery and she said, I think Davin's going to get some good news. And I, I looked over at Allison and I just showed her the phone. I said, I'm not trying to get your hopes up. She said, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And I said, you need to get ready to do a cartwheel, didn't I? You better get ready. I want y'all to know I didn't have, I do have confidence in Susan. I think she's a wonderful lady and she wouldn't have sent that out if she didn't already know something. But my confidence was already there and it wasn't in my power. My goodness, I was weak. Right after that, it seemed like 30 seconds. It may have been longer than that, but it seemed like 30 seconds later. Burp, burp, burp. That buzzer went off when y'all are in the weight room. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all have been there. And Allison came storming out. And she came back. I don't know how long it was. Everything runs together. But she's just got tears running down her face. And Dr. Nguyen was there. He had that look on his face like, not that he had seen a ghost. He's very professional. But he just said, great news. Davin's cancer free. But you could see in his eyes, what have I just seen? What have I just seen? I I wanted to look at him and say, you've seen the glory. You've seen the glory. I don't know that he knows Jesus. According to his friends, he does it. I'm going to tell you what I was so impressed with. I'm not bragging on Davin and Allison. First thing Allison said to me was, I'm so excited. I get to tell Dr. Nguyen about Jesus on Wednesday when we go for the appointment. Davin's already said that. But listen. But listen, they want Jesus to get this glory. So I just want y'all to know they're amazing people, but they're only amazing because of Jesus because they're just as fallen as you are. This is what has kept ringing in my ears. They've got a really good friend that's a doctor. He's such a nice man. He's helped them through this process. And he came in, and I apologize for looking at the ground, but I'm really struggling. He came in and said, um, I'm, I'm glad we're wrong, but I don't even know if we were, you know, it's hard for us to believe everybody was wrong. And then they told the family later, Dr. Nguyen said, and I quote, I am stunned. And I don't think these guys that are really good professionals, and I know y'all know some of them, I don't think they get stunned a whole lot because they're really good at what they do. They're really good at what they do. Can I tell y'all what I think happened? And if y'all walk away and say, nah, he had something else all along, that's cool. Y'all can believe what you want, but I don't. I think last week at this time, Davin was eat up with cancer. for whatever reason because if he would have taken if he would have taken Davin home he still would be God 
and he'd still be amazing. And some of y'all say, Pastor Mark, I got a family member that he went home. She went home. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, is appointed unto man once to die, and after that is judgment. God's appointment is your time, not any man's appointment. God knows when it's your time. He's still sovereign. He's still great. It just means he wants to call you home. When little kids go home, it doesn't mean God is punishing you. It means God is calling them home. So don't hate God. This is what I'm telling you. God allowed us in different levels, in different ways, because I'm telling you, my emotion and my excitement and my gratitude doesn't come close to Allison's or to Davin's. But my gratitude is because I was struggling. Listen to this. I was struggling because I knew God was saying, grow in my grace and knowledge. And I said, God, I don't know what that means. I know where you want me to go and I know what you want me to do, but I don't know how to get there. What are you trying to say? He said, I want you to see my glory. You know what? I didn't say this in the first service. I really thought I could do this without crying, and I didn't, so y'all just whatever. Y'all make fun of me later. I've heard people say this before, and I've, been, I've repeated it. If we ever experience the glory of God just this much, because we can't handle it all. Moses could only look at his back when he saw the full glory of God, because God said, you can't look at my face, you'll die. One day when we get to heaven, we'll be in his glory. There's no lights. There's none of this because it's his glory. But man, I saw his glory this week. And I'm telling y'all, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to sin, but I'll never be the same. If we ever experience his glory, we're never, ever the same. And this is how we find his glory. Second, or First Peter 3. Same guy talking. Same author. He said, for Christ also suffered once for sins you know what all of us are that all of us are a sinner all of us have fallen short of God's plan for our lives today most likely every one of us have sinned just by our thoughts alone just by something that we did the righteous Jesus the spotless lamb for the unrighteous me who who the Bible calls filthy rags that he might bring us bring Mark from the place that he's in and the place that I was struggling from the deep pit that is sin in myself to himself to bring me to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit remember the spirit that lifted Jesus out of the grave is the spirit that lives inside of you if you know him the question has to be asked today this which way are you being pulled Which way are you being changed? Most importantly, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Because here's the deal, and I'm done, I promise. You can only grow a plant. You can only see an animal get bigger. You can only watch your kids grow taller. You can only watch me grow bigger, right? You can only grow if you're alive. And the problem is so many people sit in churches and they amen the pastor but they've never made Jesus the Lord of their life. And it's not until he's the Lord of everything and we've surrendered our heart and life to him and say, God, I have sinned against you. I repent and I turn and follow you. I make you king. You can have all the money, all the treasure, all the fame, all the fortune. 
but you never experience the glory of God, you have nothing. You can take away everything I have. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My goal the rest of my life is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to give him the glory forever and ever, amen. And the day that I stop is the day that I say it's about me. God, help me if that's ever the case. So the way I want you to respond is this, and I want your total honesty. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you to be completely honest with me. I want you to answer this question for me right now. Pastor Mark, I am certain. I know that I know. I know for sure that I know Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. And listen to me, please just be honest. I'm alive in Christ because I've surrendered my heart to him. If that is you right now, I just want you to slip your hand up. All over the room. All over the room. If, if you know for sure you're saved, I want you to slip your hand up. Friends that are not saved, that means you did not raise your hand. I want you to keep your heads bowed nice close across the room. Say, I, I, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, dude, right now, what I want to do is I want to pray with you. And you know what? My prayer, I want y'all to hear this carefully. My prayer is not magic. There's nothing magic in a prayer. God doesn't save a prayer. He saves a move. He saves the person that says, I want to trust you. I'm not even asking you to get up. We're going to have one of our ushers, one of our volunteers to come to you with a clipboard. And then you will return it back to them and talk to them in just a minute. But I want to know, is there anyone in here that would say right now, Pastor Mark, I want that. I want to be saved today. I'm not asking you to get up. I'm just asking you to slip your hand up. We'll come to you with no one looking. I just want you to say, Pastor Mark, that's what I want right now. Who will be the first one to be bold enough and say, that is my story. I want to experience Jesus. I want him to re revolutionize my life and change it. It's never going to be the same if I know Jesus. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. Who will be bold enough to say, that's me right now? Who will be bold enough to say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I want him to come in my life and save me. I want him to come in my life and save me. Would anybody slip your hand up and say, Pastor Mark, that's me? How about for everybody in the room right now? Everybody in the room right now. I want you to look at me, and I want you to stand where you are. I'm going to close this in just a second. I'm going to close the worship in, in, uh, or close back to worship in prayer, but I want you to think about this as you leave. If you leave today and you don't change, it is your choice. It is not about a man it is not about my prayers. It is not about our fasting. It is not about a group's fasting. God chooses to use jacked up hurting people. This is the goal that we leave here and we experience the greatness of God and we're never the same. And so I'm asking y'all, if, if you're not comfortable with it, just worship however you want, but I'm asking y'all just a second to raise your hands and just say, God, it's amazing that you want to work, worship and you want to hear from me. And we're going to sing the stand, and it's one of my favorites. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. Will you stand with us right now? God, we love you, and we believe that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And today, I pray that we leave here and we're never the same. God, I believe that we're going to change our community because we are Christ followers, and we are full points. It's not about one man. It's not even about an amazing band. It's not about just one person. God, we believe that the, that the sermon starts in the parking lot. We're grateful every one of our volunteers that are so kind and so amazing. But God, I believe you want to take this group of people and you want to change the world with us because it's your power and your glory, not ours. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us before we loved you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Y'all stand with us.